Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we have a conversation with the new St. Louis Police Chief, John Hayden. He was appointed three months ago at the end of an extraordinarily violent year in St. Louis. And this one's off to a violent start. Chief Hayden joins me in studio. Chief, it's a tough way to start a new job, isn't it, with all the bloodshed in the city? It is, Don. It's very, it's very tough, but um, I think we're doing some things that will help stem the tide of violent crime. Such as? Such as. Um, I, we're putting a lot of emphasis on this rectangle that I've come up with. Um, that uh, rectangle is between Goodfellow um, and Vandervern, and we won um, um, east and west, and then it goes from Dr. King to West Florissant. And so crime is da- so crime, where we're focusing that crime is down, we pr- we're placing... Uh, supplemental resources there. We haven't depl- we haven't um, drained the districts of manpower, mm-hmm. but we've put supplemental resources inside that rectangle, and um, inside inside of it, um, we're looking at about a 13 percent deficit in violent crime this year so far. So that part I'm pleased with. Uh, we are ahead in in homicides. We're up about um, six. It's 40 total. We're up about six. But the the thing that I like to point out is that out of out of that 40, 21 of them have been drug-related. And when I say drug-related, I mean that either their drugs on the scene that would indicate it's drug-related or after talking to witnesses, mm-hmm. we realize that it's drug-related. So 21 of them are drug-related. Five of them are domestic, and four of them are about personal vendettas. And so that's thir- 30 out of the 40 are, 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 are things that we have to look toward trying to intervene in some of these risky behaviors. How, how, do you, uh, how do you intervene? Well, first of all, you work, for example, if, if, if you look at drugs, I mean, hey, if, if, if some of the driving force around drug activity or drug shootings is about people looking for jobs, I mean, it's, it, it, I would hate, day number one, we had a double, double homicide on the 5900 block of Kennerly. Mm-hmm. They were relatively young men. It, 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 had, it had some of the, the makings of a drug transaction. All I would tell you is that um, I, would, I would hope that I could do something to steer. If, 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 that, if the decision on that very cold night was let's do a drug deal, mm-hmm. I would hope that I could bring resources up to that area that would make choices like that uh, avoidable. Mm-hmm. Well, what kind of resources? Is it just a question of visibility of uh, uniformed officers? So, some of it is visibility, <clears throat> but also I think it's about choices. So what I'm going to do is, and you might have seen my mobile office, but when I take my mobile office up there, I'm going to invite organizations like Slate to go with me. I want to invite organizations such as Better Family Life. I'll invite the Urban League. And what I'll be trying to do is bring people that have alternatives. Of, you know, police department mm-hmm. isn't isn't you know isn't a social social you know we don't do social work, mm-hmm. but we can be that spoke that brings social resources to to some of those uh, distressed areas in hopes that it will uh, indirectly affect violent crime by providing more opportunities, education, jobs, and and things like that. How do you get around something that has always been a problem in in certain communities, and that is suspicious of the police? People tend to run away when the cops are around because they're afraid of them. That's correct. Well, we're doing, and I think, Don, I think law enforcement across the country realizes that um, a folk, an over-focused on statistics really lacks, uh, lacks the personal touch that you want. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm requiring the captains of the districts to actually come up with um, community outreach schedules. And we're spending a lot more time in, in, in the community. We're spending a lot more time at schools. We're spending a lot more time out of the police car. And I'm, I'm hoping to bridge that gap. In fact, I was um, at Northwest High School a week ago. And I talked to some of those kids, you know, that uh, um, 
it sits in it sits in the middle of Walnut Park East, historically a pretty pretty violent area, mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of the kids that were in this this uh, seminar uh, living living in and around the area, and they told me that if 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 I built relationships with them, I would I would have a lot better opportunity to talk about some of the troubled areas, and some of the some of the best places to put resources in order to stem violent crime. So I, I had a very candid conversation with those young folks, and I will continue to do that type of thing. Are they going to see offices that look like them? That's, a, that's an important aspect. Big, big challenge. Big challenge, Don. We, we, are, we, are, um, um, we are recruiting more heavily in the African-American community. Mm-hmm. We've been able to expand our, our regular recruitment program. In other words, normally we just recruit out of the St. Louis metropolitan area. We, we, we got a donation from the police foundation that will allow us to expand to some of the colleges uh, in and around Missouri to, to expand our, 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 um, our reach. We also are on the radio, on an urban, some of the urban radio mm-hmm. station in order to expand mm-hmm. the, the invitation. Um, and then we're, we're looking at, where, and we hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to fund a, a, a cadet program that allows us to have relationships with youth that are 18 and above, and that way they can. If some of them go to uh, 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 the colleges around here, it will also help pay for some of the uniforms and some of the college. So it'll be like a scholarship. So we're looking to use that as recruitment as well. You're still down about 10 percent in, in in your number of uh, yeah yeah we we're down 130 officers, mm-hmm. and so that's you know that'd be right at 10 percent. And so um, we, we're trying to make up that the, the challenge is is that as, as quickly as we can hire officers, you know, we also have the attrition. And so we're really not making any any headway mm-hmm. uh, even when we graduated class just two weeks ago. Going back to the recruiting efforts that you're making, particularly in the African-American community, again, something that we've heard for years is that young black men and women are not fearful, but concerned about joining the police force because the rest of the community will think that they're, they're traitors. Yeah, I, we're, we're, I think I think that once people know what the career path is, I think that they realize that they can be a, a contributor to um, uh, making the neighborhood safe. If that's if that's something you know, it's, it's always been a dangerous job, Don. But um, if 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 you're a kind of person like I was, that says, "Hey, I want to make a positive difference in my community. I want I um, I want to make I want to do something that has uh, quick rewards." Hey, if if, if you got a, a drug dealer. Or, or a bad set, if you will, in a neighborhood, and, and, and you go to roll call, and they talk about that at roll call and what we need to do over there. You, sometimes the rewards are immediate, and you can say, hey, I made that neighborhood safe. Mm-hmm. There are people that can come out of their house today because I've, I've, I've taken that corner back. And so, so, so the rewards are instant, uh, in spite of the fact that you, you know, there, there's still um, numerous uh, career paths that you can have. You can, you know, people, a lot of people have dreamt of being a homicide detective or a narcotics detective or SWAT detective, though, you know, those are, those are still very popular fields. And so I, I think that there's something to offer um, um, bl- both African-American recruits as well as white recruits. You're, you're pretty dependent, aren't you, still on, on the neighborhood residents themselves to kind of be your eyes and ears? Absolutely. And, and, and getting back to the point you made earlier about um, um, people being afraid of the police. Hey, we're, we're trying to do things that, that bridge that gap. We'll be, I, I've talked about my mobile office, but I used to set up a, a, set a table and a chair on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a heavily infested, drug-infested street. But now i got a, a vehicle that I can take citywide to sit on streets across the city. And those are the kind of things that when I sat out there, people came out and talked to me. They might say, hey, look over my, look over my right shoulder. You know, that house is, 
is a problem. And so mm-hmm. we were able to get information from neighbors to help us um, stem violent crime. I, I've heard that you're actually distributing candy in some of these stops as well. Is that, is, <laughs> we, is that working or we, can it work? We, 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 we talked to some, well, we, we got a lot of information from some of the social workers and they said, hey, we, we certainly giving out candy is fine. Could you get away from giving it, at, giving it out curbside? A lot, a lot of, a lot of uh, seven or eight year olds don't understand the difference between a police officer and a nice person, and so we we heard that, and so yeah, we, we, a lot of community events. Of course, we we'll have candy for the kids, but we're going to be careful about passing it out at the curbside, to go, so we don't want confused kids about staying away from strangers. Give me, a, give me, a, if you would, a sense of some of the things that uh, you've learned out on the street with your mobile van and and with this uh, neighborhood policing. I've, I've I'll tell you the biggest thing that I've learned, Don, is that uh, people still care about their communities. Mm-hmm. They will come out. They do want relationships with the police department. And so sometimes you get a sense of things that people really don't want police around. Hey, people still want the police around. They just want to have uh, connections with the police that they haven't had in some time. And, and, I, and I think um, departments that have been successful in, in getting a, a lot more community, community cooperation have realized that we gotta, we gotta, you know, hey, it's, it's one thing to talk about what's happened in the neighborhood for five past five years, People are more interested in what's happened in the last five days. And if you get out and talk to people, spend some time, you'll, you'll get to learn the neighborhood quite well. So a lot lot more old-fashioned policing you and I grew up with, Don. Those are the kind of things that people are asking for again. Sure. They, they want to see an officer that they know and respect on, in their neighborhood and uh, available to them. Absolutely. What did you make of the, uh, of the weekend demonstrations by young people against gun violence? Hey, I thought, I thought it was great. I think that, that, that the young folks are saying that they, are, uh, you know, that they feel unsafe in their schools. That's something that, again, Don, you and I grew up with never wor- worried or concerned about somebody coming into school and, and, and you know, doing some type of active shooter situation. And so, hey, it seemed like the kids just want safety. And I, I don't, you know, I don't think that's too much to ask. And so I'm, I'm quite proud of many of them. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for it 100 percent. It was an orderly demonstration, which uh, is always a good thing to have Absolutely. happen. Absolutely. What sort of instructions, and are they any different than might have been the case six months or a year ago? Any instructions to the rank and file now with regard to how to act in, in demonstrations? Uh, and not just the one like the one last weekend, but others sure. after the Stockley verdict, for instance. Sure. We are, we are working on a response plan now that kind of incorporates things learned, lessons learned during the protests of the fall. And so um, I, I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm finishing my process of meeting with my commanders, many of whom worked many of those nights, those tension-filled nights during the fall. And when I'm done, when I'm, when I'm finished speaking with my commanders, the next, the next group that I will reach out to is the protest community because I want, I'm interested to know what they thought about our response. Naturally, there were some mm-hmm. things that they would say went well. There were, there were some things that they would say didn't go so well. And I want to talk to, I want, so, so I'll be able to form our uh, future protest, protest mm-hmm. response based on having talked with my commanders and officers and having talked with the protest community. I think that we're going to have a, a much better response um, that, that, that allows people to um, uh, express their First Amendment rights as well as public safety for others in the neighborhood. Yeah, well, how is that response likely to be different? 
What are some of the areas specifically that would be different? Specifically, I think that that one thing that I learned, and I and I worked many of those nights. One thing would be is that if you have, uh, uh, if, you, if you need, and if you, of course you need to have some intelligence to know about it ahead of time. But anytime you have a pretty large protest that you know that's going to be in a certain area, you certainly can try your best to um, 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 keep traffic out of there no, no more than you would if if there were a traffic accident there that, that required some time to get get control of. You want to divert traffic away from from crowds. I think I think one thing would be is it, it helps keep people safe, but it also allows people to express their rights. And hey, it's, it's sometimes and hopefully you could the the key is in reaching out to them. You want to let the protest community know how much that impacts public safety in and around the area they're protesting. But at the same time, uh, keep them safe. Hey, you don't want a Charlottesville or anything like that going on. So you want you. I've found the cars trying to drive through large groups is that doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. And so the the best way that I found is to kind of create a protective bubble in and around protesters. Right. We've got to take a break. We're talking with Chief John Hayden of the St. Louis Police Department. He's been on the job for three months now, and he's gotten off to a fast start. Unfortunately, so his violent crime in the city, and that's a big problem. We'll continue the conversation in a moment. If you'd like to be a part of it, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org, or if you'd prefer to send us a tweet, we'll take that as well to STL on air. Back in a moment, this is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back to our conversation with the new chief of police in the city of St. Louis, John Hayden. Let me go to the area that is very uncomfortable for police to talk about, and that is officer-involved shootings. We've had some here. We've had some everywhere, it seems. What, uh, what sort of directives, if any, uh, are out there from you with regard to use of force by officers? Well, uh, Don, one thing that I've put out is I've, 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 I've stressed to officers that if, in fact, we're going to regain um, the, the trust gap that we've lost in some of our, and not so much the St. Louis Police Department's officer involved sh- shootings, but but nationwide, the way that the way that we can we, we can regain that trust is to make sure that we can articulate that we follow our rules, which are very specific, and to and to exercise those rules mm-hmm. as as stated in our policies, and then to um, 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 make sure that you can articulate. What it is and why you and, and, and why you proceeded in that in that in that in that way, I think that's very important. I mean, the, the, the it's one thing to it's it's very important important to be able to explain what you did and why you did it, mm-hmm. and I think that's important. I th- you know, um, uh, and and I stress that I've sent I've sent something out to our officers relative to that to making sure that if we're ever going to regain that trust, uh, that sacred trust w- with respect to actually having to use deadly force. Mm-hmm then we're going to have to be able to articulate what we did and why we did it. Who should investigate such shootings? Um, hey, I, I certainly believe that, that um, if you have competent personnel that are, that are skilled, conscientious investigators, I see us being able to do it ourselves with a review process that allows other um, um, entities to, re- to review it. You know, Circuit Attorney's Office, uh, kind of how we do it now. That could be one review person. I know that the forward through Ferguson mentions that the investigator would ultimately it would be um, responsibility of the 
uh, the attorney, Missouri Attorney General, mm-hmm. and the Missouri Highway Patrol do the investigation. Um, that, you know, that that's that, I guess that's ideal. I don't know that the resources are there for that to happen for for the Highway Patrol to, to investigate officer-involved shootings in the city and the county. But that being said, I think that the key is, is that the transparency says, hey, this is what these are what the facts say, and that um, hey, it, uh, any any organization should be able to review it. Um, particularly law enforcement, and so I'm I'm very much in favor of being able to put it together with within the agency, and then letting anybody review it that that is entitled to see it. The concern is obvious. That is that the, uh, the you're investigating yourself, and that always raises eyebrows. Yes, absolutely, I understand yeah. that. But I mean, hey, the w- one way, uh, and that you know, and that is the way we've done it in the past, of course. But I, I think um, we have a, you know with with our force investigative unit, we have a lot more uh, we have a lot more technology to help. Uh, investigate officer involved shootings, and it's just a matter of um, whether or not people trust us. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, hey, Don, I spent I spent six years in the Internal Affairs Division, and part of that was invest, you know, uh, looking into and investigating officer involved shootings. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be ashamed mm-hmm. to share the things that I looked into and the decisions that I made uh, around it. Mm-hmm. And so I I think that there's such a thing as as an organization doing an investigation and have it open for review for the appropriate entities. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other question before we go to the phones, we have some folks who want to get into the, the discussion, and that is this, the city's response, given the school shootings that we've had, uh, the city's response to the active shooter. Uh, is, is the strategy here in the St. Louis that if there's a shooter in a school, police go in, they don't wait around for SWAT? That is, that is the, that's, that's pretty much the accepted strategy nationwide is that you can't, you know, in other words, uh, the active shooting situations are so, you know, oftentimes very brief. Mm-hmm. You have to intervene um, as quickly as possible. Otherwise, you know, in other words, you don't, you don't have, you don't have five or 10 minutes to, to await SWAT. You have to, you have to act uh, as soon as possible. That's what we learned at, at Columbine with tragic consequences. They're waiting for SWAT and a lot of people got killed. Absolutely. And in fact, the interesting enough that you mentioned that, I meet with Dr. Kelvin Adams today mm-hmm. to talk about active shooter situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- why today and why? Oh, we, why no, we, it's, it's previously scheduled. Yeah. No, we, you know, naturally, okay. we, we, the, 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 the most recent school shooting prompted the conversation. But, I mean, we were sitting, we're sitting we had, it just happens to be today, later on today around 2 o'clock here, and I will be talking. Should teachers be armed? Well, I think arming the teachers is a bad idea. Yeah. I think, that, first of all, what if you, you know, my mom was a school teacher for 35 yeah. years. She'd be definitely afraid of, of, of having a gun. And so I, I guess you got to ask yourself, I mean, is, if, if, if what happens to teachers that don't want to be armed, does that affect their, their desire to educate children? And I've, I've heard many teachers say, hey, where would, where would I put a gun? And then do I, do I make the situation more dangerous by, you know, having it in there in the meantime around kids? Probably, it just sounds like a, a recipe for destruction, I think. And if the cops come in looking for a bad guy after a shooting and they see someone with a gun and kill him, it could be a teacher. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, right. It's, 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 you have to make a split-second decision. Somebody running down the hall with a gun could be um, mistaken for yeah. a bad guy. Let's uh, bring uh, Cecilia into the conversation. She's calling us from the Central West End. Cecilia, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Yes. Hi, um, Chief. I want to congratulate you, first of all, and then I want to say that I really appreciate that Lyda Cruzan had the strength of character to pick the best man for the job. Thank you so much. Um, I do have a question for you. Okay. And that is, do you think that as the first African-American chief, that, that there are many who are expecting you to be a miracle worker? 
No, interestingly enough, I'm actually the fourth African American chief. I've, you know, ah, I was preceded okay. by Chief Harmon back in the early '90s, followed by Chief Henderson, and then um, Chief Isom uh, preceded me. So I'm actually the fourth in in about oh. 20 years. Uh, so no, and I no, I don't I don't think I don't think uh, people have greater expectations of me because I'm African American. But I certainly know that um, people. Or really want uh, somebody, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping, it's, I'm certainly praying, that, hoping and praying that it's me, to to really get violent crime under control in St. Louis. Sure. And and one last question, and I'll be done. What is what do you think is the role of the corporate community in helping you to do your job? Sure. The the corporate community has they have been first of all very supportive, and um, Judge Edwards and I have met with um, the corporate community on a couple of different occasions. And what they're what what many of them are doing or willing to do is either invest uh, either invest in organizations that can put um, uh, resources in distressed areas or actually build or do something there themselves. If, if, if for example, uh, many of the organizations are donating to organizations such as Better Family Life or the Urban League, they're making donations to them so that they can work close, more closely with us. I mentioned Better Family Life because they have uh, 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 gang counselors that can kind of work hand-in-hand hand with our gang intervention officers that actually try to quell some of the gang violence. Uh, Urban League, of course, can, can help out with uh, Urban League and Slate, can, of course, can help out with providing jobs or education. And so those are, that, the, 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 the corporate community is investing in those organizations. And if it happens to be somebody in construction, they're considering building um, maybe recreation centers and, and, or, and buildings like that inside of some of those distressed, distressed communities. Thank you for the call, Cecilia. We have a couple of questions here relating to uh, finances, if you will. Uh, Jake uh, uh, tweets us and says, what's being done to address the findings from Controller Green's audit of the police department's abuse of overtime? Well, we, we certainly have slimmed down our overtime usage. I mean, that was a big concern as I, as I took office. And um, uh, it's, it's, but, but again, we're 130 officers down. And so, I mean, the only way to, in some instances, to uh, uh, bridge that financial gap is, of course, allow people to work overtime. But at, so, but at the same time, it has to be monitored a lot, a lot more closely, and we're doing that, and that's kind of what we're doing right now to address it. The, the recent uh, approval, I guess it was a Proposition P, more money for the police department, is that having any impact at all on your recruiting effort? I believe so, Don. I, I, was, very, I was very fearful that if, that if Prop P didn't pass, that, that uh, young, young men and women thinking about being police officers would have a choice of 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 one agency making twelve thousand dollars more than the other one. That's a deal breaker down when you're twenty four years old. Six thousand dollars. It's always been a five or six thousand dollar gap. So I th- I think that that the fact that property passed in St. Louis is going to be very helpful in us recruiting and retaining some of our younger officers. Let's take another call. Sheila joins us from Richmond Heights. Sheila, you're on the air. Go ahead. Thank you so much for your show. I just love it. Um, I don't know what we would do in St. Louis without you. I've been oh, doing research you. since about 1975 on the side effects of toxins and the body and the mind and the spirit. And I've been working recently mostly with um, Raymond Francis from MIT and Beyond Health and Robert Kennedy Jr. with the World Mercury Project. And I am more and more convinced that there's a link of prescription drugs for depression as well as street drugs linking to all of this inappropriate behavior. And we must have better nutrition for our children in our schools and in our adult lives. 
and stop pushing prescription drugs on them. I had a son who tragically died because of doctors pushing prescription drugs on him. Sheila, thank, thank you for the call. You've given us a lot to chew on here. You want to respond to her, Chief? I, and I, I'm, I am um, very concerned about, and I mentioned earlier, I'm very concerned about um, the number of homicides that are related to drugs, mm-hmm. so, you know, both um, you know, drug abuse, I mean, whether it be prescription or, or, or non-prescription drugs, it's, it's, you know, illegal use of drugs, the illegal sale of drugs. And I agree with her that I think that a, a, a better handle on, on drug, uh, drug addiction, uh, 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 drug sales, a better handle on that will obviously reduce uh, violent crime in St. Louis because 21 of my 40 homicides are drug-related. Mm-hmm. And uh, the opioid thing is, is out of control now, but your officers are now carrying Narcan with them, aren't they? Yes, we have we have one district that is fully implemented and u- utilizing Narcan as we speak, and the other ones are on schedule to be trained and start u- utilizing it very soon. Right. We have a tweet from Dan who writes, How does Chief uh, Hayden regain the trust of St. Louisans when the same police officers who intimidated, assaulted, and arrested citizens participating in last year's protests are still on the job? Shouldn't they face consequences for abuse of their authority? Well, uh, at, at least in one of the, one of the more major instances, um, that case is under federal investigation. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, I, I think what, what, what we need to look at is that there's a possibility that um, that you know, some pretty serious uh, repercussions will come from that. But at the same time, hey, I mentioned earlier that I that I have was was the commander of internal affairs for six years, and people know that if if I do have a subject matter expertise, it would be dealing with officer misconduct. Mm-hmm. And so I I don't plan on uh, you know anything that comes before my desk. I plan on um, being very fair about it, but at the same time being very um, direct about um, not tolerating police misconduct, whether it be physical abuse or what have you. I have a quote here from someone. I can't uh, tell you exactly where it came from, but uh, someone said that when you got the job, you should bring in a broom to sweep out the bad apples. Are there a lot of bad apples in the St. Louis Police Department? Are there any? Yeah, the bad apples are always few in number, but but the the thing is is that their their mischief oftentimes um, um, spreads pretty pretty rapidly or pretty significantly in a significant way. And so again, um, there there's there's some issues out there that wish that that are in the process of being addressed that will come that will come across my desk that I'll get a chance to weigh in on to to weed out uh, uh, misconduct. But also, I think people know that my my record for um, holding officers accountable is solid, and so I don't think that people will try as much to do things that maybe they've done in the past. It's tough to get fellow officers, though, to uh, to, to talk about misdeeds on the part of their colleagues, isn't it? Well, it, it, you know what, Donis, I think is I think it, I think that goes across professions. I mean, hey, but the, the challenge is though is hey, so much so much of it now is on um, uh, in some kind of way recorded or some type of way. Um, um, uh, viewed, and so it's kind of hard to say that I w- that if I was standing right there that I didn't see what happened if, if the cameras got me looking at it. And so uh, uh, you're right that there's 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 oftentimes kind of hard to get um, uh, officers to put personal relationships over integrity of the agency. But I think we're working on that as well. Okay. Let's take another call. We'll bring in Bill calling from St. Louis. Bill, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Sure. Well, congratulations and Godspeed on your new, important new job. And I wanted your views on uh, two th- ideas. One is public service announcements and a um, for a violence prevention hotline like 311, for example, where people who were about to hurt themselves or others could call in and ask for help. 
so that we make it socially unacceptable to um, hurt somebody or yourself without asking for help first. And also working with the mayor's office to bring jobs and job training to the youth at risk on the street who don't think they have any options. Yes, sir. I think both of them are good. Um, PSAs, uh, the 311 uh, process, I think both of those are good things that we could utilize more. I think that's, that's, those are all work well uh, insofar as trying to, to head off some type of violent act. And, 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 and I've mentioned that we, we're working very closely with um, Judge Edwards, who is in the mayor's office. He, he's my direct report, and um, uh, he's working with some of the same organizations, the Urban League, um, Better Family Life, um, um, Slate, in trying to make sure that jobs are getting to some of those places where people need them the most. And I think we, what we've seen is that when people are hurting or desperate, that, that it often does result in violent crime. And so uh, he's working very closely with me in order to get those organizations involved in providing jobs and what have you. Jobs and education, two of the most important things, Absolutely. obviously, to cut back on, on crime. Another Absolutely. caller, Tom, is calling from the Central West End. You're on the air with Chief Hayden. Go ahead. Yes, uh, Chief. I wanted to inquire a couple of things. One is the uh, impact of closing down Larry Rice for the people that don't have a place to stay overnight. And the other is what's going on with sober houses, creating places where people want to get out of drugs. I've had some experience in trying to set up such a, and did successfully for a little bit in Kansas City area, but I know it's a very, very complicated thing, addiction, and without a place that people... Um, can uh, have a place where there's no drugs involved, it's, it's difficult. And I want to know what's going on there because that's driving crime. Yes, sir. So the, the, uh, the, the closing of, the closing of, um, of, of um, New Life Evangelistic New Life, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, New Life Evangelistic Center, um, I think that as, uh, it has certainly created somewhat of a void for those types of services. But I understand that um, Biddle House, is is a place where a lot of a lot of homeless persons are getting good resources, and um, our our district commander is working closely with the people of Biddle House to make sure that that's a safe environment for people to um, um, get services such as uh, you know services for drug addiction as well as uh, some of the basic needs such as food, clothing, and shelter. And the sober houses, so so I, I, we work pretty closely with. Um, 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 and I'm trying to think of, of, of that agency within the city, but I know Melba Moore is over it. And, um, and so uh, we're working closely with them. We're, like I said, we, we do have Narcan. We're working more closely with, with um, divisions within the city agencies that, uh, that, that deal with drug addiction. And, again, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting them to, when I go, we realize that we can't arrest ourselves out of this problem. But when I go to do a neighborhood outreach blitz, that we, 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 we ask organizations um, uh, such like such as Melba Moore's team to come up and provide information with respect to drug addiction and other challenges. Thank you for the call. We have an email from Bernadine. Could you please ask him if he'll be working with Captain Ron Johnson, who came to prominence during the demonstrations in Ferguson? I admired him very much. I read he now leads the new Office of Community Engagement and Outreach. Captain Johnson and I are good friends and fraternity brothers, and so I know him very well. And we have um, done some work professionally already. Um, uh, Captain Johnson led a community outreach project at Yateman School, and and officer, many officers came there to help paint the school. You should have seen the faces on the kids when they saw how the new school looked for the school year. Um, it was a project we did over the summer. But, so I'm saying we will be working very closely with, with, with Captain Johnson. He's a good man. He's got some good ideas. Okay, I'm going to take another call. This one from Gary calling from West County. Gary, you're on the air. Go ahead. 
Hi there. You mentioned something a few moments ago that um, it was a small matter, but I think one of significant importance. Just anecdotally, I'm a 67-year-old African-American. Uh, as a child growing up in the city, we used to have uh, bill collectors. So I go back away. They used to come to your house and collect whatever, you know, $2 a week or whatever the case may be. Uh, there was one gentleman, a white gentleman, who used to come to our house to collect the bill. And every time he came to our home, he gave me and my brothers and sisters a piece of candy. This goes back 60 years. I remember that gentleman fondly today to the extent that I remember his name, Mr. Glazier. So please don't play past the small things. The idea that a police officer um, encouraging children, uh, creating bonds, giving a piece of candy can be a very important element in terms of winning trust and positive uh, positive relationships in the community. Harry, thanks for the call. Candy works. It does work. <laughs> candy works. Candy is sweet. Like I said, we we are still going to have events where, of course, we'll we'll have candy uh, uh, at hand on hand. But I, I think the, the the main thing is that we're 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 doing other things to try to build relationships with with not only the children but the parents. And so I I like the idea of of having a hot dog picnic or having a you know when, when we having a community outreach piece that we bring hot dogs and soda and that type of thing to sit, like I said to talk to people give them a free lunch and, and have some conversations with us yeah I've had I have a note here indicating that some people were concerned about this because of diabetes that that would be an issue I'm going to take one more call then we're going to have to wrap it up we're bringing a Corey calling from St. Louis Corey thank you for waiting go ahead hey yeah uh, I was calling in in regards to uh, the Central uh, West thing right you got the Central West thing you have police officers patrolling, and then on the North St. Louis, you have no police officers patrolling. I asked the police officer why is that. He says because the Central West End pays for that. What about North St. Louis? It, it, the, the, the officer that told you that Central West End pays for it was, was telling the absolute correct truth. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they have a special taxing district that allows them to deploy more officers, uh, people that are working secondary, in other words, uh, Officers that when they're finished their tour of duty with us or if they were off that day, they can, they can work secondaries, what we call a secondary, an extra job working in the Central West End. That being said, though, uh, uh, areas with, that don't have those resources, of course, we still have to deploy officers appropriately. I mentioned putting more officers in the streets. Even though we're down 130 officers, um, we have some areas, we, ha- we have some units that have officers that I'm using the supplemental officers. I can't use them when, when I'm down 130 officers. I have to I have to slim those down. And so there will be more officers going back out on the street very shortly. But I appreciate that call. You got to get up to full strength, obviously, get up to for, strength. for a lot of different reasons. Yes. Going to have to end it there, Chief. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. It's been great talking to you. Are you enjoying the job? I am enjoying it, Donna. <laughs> I am enjoying it. It's uh, like I said, it's, it's it's a big undertaking, but um, I've I've been at it for 31 years. And I think I have some solutions, and I'm, I'm willing, to, well, willing to implement them. Okay, we'll, we'll be watching you. Thank you, sir. And, Thank and you for be inviting me. you back here, and I hope you come anytime I, you choose. I appreciate it. You're a very gracious host. Thank you very much. Thank you. St. Louis Police Chief John Hayden. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.